right, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Gluck, and I'm here with Dustin Albino at Watkins Glen International. Dustin is from thefrontstretch.com, and we are overlooking Victory Lane here at Watkins Glen, where something very special just happened. Chase Elliott got his first career victory. Man, we have a, a interesting podcast today, Dustin. I mean, we have some stuff to talk about. Yeah, Jeff. Chase finally gets to victory lane the first time, obviously, in his cup career. So kind of unique for it to be on a road course. I know he's ran well on road courses in the past. I think finished fourth at Sonoma earlier this year. So interesting, interesting race for sure. And this is your home track. And so you uh, you got to see, I think, one of NASCAR's signature moments here. I mean, I can't, you know, if, you, if you're, I think, once we take a step back from this uh, and we look back at like the season highlights from this season, this will certainly be up there. And um, the, the longer chase goes on, I think it'll, it'll be a moment too, where we see him getting out of his car, seeing being pushed by Jimmy Johnson. I mean, there, this was a, a, a big win, I think for NASCAR today as well, not just Chase Elliott, you know? Yeah. Someone mentioned that in the media center asking him, and I think it was too. I mean, he needed this NASCAR needed this. Um, you heard the fans when when he took the checkered flag. Huge roar when he got out of the car to celebrate with his team. Huge roar. So yeah, I think he definitely needed this. And I think once he won his first one, it's probably going to break out here. Yeah, um, and and I think too, it's like you know you mentioned the fans. Uh, you know, I, I was I was standing on this balcony out here overlooking Victory Lane for a long time, and just kind of watching it. And I wanted to sort of document it and observe it and. Um, you know, I mean, there was fans outside going, chase, chase, chase. Wow. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's kind of weird because for me to just, you know, as soon as he came into the Cup Series and, and Dale Jr. left, it's like, well, he's going to be the most popular driver as soon as Dale Jr. leaves. And all this year it's been like, he's going to be the most popular. But you haven't really seen anything that he's done where it's like, okay, he's reaching out and taking that or, or um, like, you know, he, he's not the, the most outgoing guy and he hasn't won yet to this point. And so it was like, okay, well, what, is he really going to win it? And now I think today you you can see people just lashed onto it, right? Like they were in, extremely enthusiastic about it. Yeah, and to do, I think he's earned that. I mean, he does have eight second place finishes coming into today, and you don't you don't luck into that. I mean, you're running up front, and yes, Hendrick has been off this year, Chevrolet's been off, but he led a race high 52 laps. I mean, he passed Kyle Busch upright, so he definitely didn't luck into this one. He earned it. Um, yeah, at the famous Watkins Glen International, kind of kind of crazy. Yeah, and. So I think that it's important to like to not back into it. You know, it's it wasn't a restricted plate win. Not taking anything from away from somebody that's won a plate race, but you know, it's we don't really view it the same as a quote real race. Uh, it wasn't a rain shortened win. It wasn't some fluke thing. I mean, he raced the defending series champion straight up and held him off in the final laps. He, he, I mean, he basically ran him out of gas. Um, and I, th- I think, too, that it was also very important, and I don't, I don't think this should get lost, is that this race today was one of the few in this stretch that was actually on NBC. So it was a much bigger audience than you're getting um, at a normal NBCSN race. So you have all these things coming together, uh, a, a great race, a first-time winner. Um, it's on NBC. Um, you know, I just think that this was like a really key moment um, in this season for NASCAR where they've needed something like this. Yeah, it's interesting because there's so many stats that you could you could say about Chase. He had finished what runner-up eight times, like I mentioned. Uh, Bill Elliott's his father's first race was on a road course. That's so crazy too. Yeah, yeah, and and he had finished eight runner-up eight times, that, just like the, Chase. Did. The nines yeah. car last victory was here uh, yeah. six years ago. That was crazy too. Yeah, like the last two, the last three uh, victories by the number nine car 
all been at Watkins Glen. Yeah, the past, the former two were by Am- Marcos Ambrose, right. who obviously is a road course ace. Right. But um, yeah, he earned this one for sure. He, like you said, he, he raced Truex straight up, held him off. Truex was closing in. Like we mentioned off air, I thought he blew it on the last lap when he overran turn one. He said he kind of hopped. Um, and we've seen that a lot. We saw it yesterday in the Xfinity race with Brad Keselowski uh, hopping into turn one and, and spinning. Uh, but yeah, chased it all he did or all he could and, and he won. Yeah, so I think it's interesting too because um, like typically that turn one, I mean, Jeff Gordon spun out the, Tony Stewart, Tony Stewart in that in the same race. Yeah. Um, and that always seems to be the one. And, and so, yeah, when he went in there, I mean, no offense to Chase, but given his history, you're sort of waiting for like something bad to happen. Like, is this, is he really going to be able to close this out? And, and plus Truex is a really good road course racer, right? He's won the last two coming in. So yeah, yeah. He was put so, on the pressure, you know? So you, when you see chase go down in there and start to lose it a little bit, you're like, Oh gosh, there it is. Yeah. Here we go. He blew it. Yeah. I was looking at my fan vision. I'm like, Oh boy, here we go. Yeah. How, how do you choke this time? You know? Yeah, exactly. And, and honestly, let's, let's just uh, play this out for a minute. What would have happened had Chase Elliott blown that corner, Truex passes him there, doesn't run out of fuel, and wins the race. How different would this have been? Number one, you would have had a big three winning yet again. Yep. I think it would have completely deflated not only every all the fans here, but a ton of people at home to just go, oh my gosh. Like It would have been so hard for them to stomach. They were getting ready. And then I don't know if how how well chase would have been able to rebound from that. Like that would have been a signature choke. You yeah, know what I mean? Especially because he led so many laps. I mean, he led over 50% of the race because it's a short race. Um, but we've seen this in the past, like Dover last uh, October when Kyle Bush, another member of the big three came up and passed him on, I think two to go. So yeah, it, it he finally closed a race. Yes. That's a, extremely important for him going forward because, you know, you just get all those questions out of the way. Because it, it, now it's not like, when's he finally going to win? When's he? I mean, uh, somebody tweeted me this weekend when um, you know the Bill Elliott news came out about how Bill Elliott's going to run a, a road course race um, at Road America in the Xfinity Series. And you know they responded to my tweet. I can't remember who it was. They probably don't want their name out there anyway because <laughs> Chase Elliott fans get mad. But they go, oh, you mean the Elliott who has, uh, has the most recent cup win? And this is obviously before today. It's like, ooh, damn. Wow. That's that's a stinger right there. But, I mean, people were piling that stuff on Chase, and he had to live with that it, it was going to be his 100th start next week and that he was going to be 0 for 100, it seemed like. You know, I think it's funny because Kyle Larson won his 99th start, too, at Michigan. That is that, crazy, That was too. his first race. There's yeah. so many stats about this race. Yeah. I, I do think, though, that um, like a Larson, like a – I'll even go back to a Keselowski – um, once you get into like that third or fourth year, that's really when it seems like if, if a guy's going to be successful in NASCAR, that's really seems to be where they click. That's when they seem to start winning and be able to, um, start doing things like a lot of guys, it's just hard the first couple of years there. And chase had a way better first couple of years than a lot of, uh, young drivers have had coming in. But, um, you know, to, to now see him, I, I, I really do think this would be just, you know, he said it, it, uh, Gustafson said it wasn't relief, but I think Chase indicated that it was relief. Yeah, I would definitely say it was relief because, yes, Jimmy Johnson won the title in 2016, but that was one of his worst years of his career prior to last year. Um, so their equipment had – I mean, I'm not going to say it was down because it's Hendrick Motorsports, but I – th- I think it's down. I mean, yeah, look at this year, the the Camaro. I mean, this is Chevy's first win since the Daytona 500. Yeah, that and was, Hendrick's first win since the Brickyard 400 Yeah, last 37 year. races ago. So crazy. It's, yeah. 
I mean, they, they, those 250th win, that, that celebration, they had been planning that since last August, right? Yeah. I mean, all they needed was one more after Kane, and I'm sure they thought, oh, we'll get it by this year, and, and now here we are um, in August again. It's just, it's just crazy, yeah. But outside of Chase over the past year, they really haven't been close. Yeah. I mean, Jimmy Johnson really hasn't been a factor for the past year and a half, really. And he, he, he admits that. So, yeah, I mean, it's good to see him finally close one out. Yeah. Um, do you think that, uh, like, you know, sometimes you even see with Eric Jones, like, you, you see guys start racing with more confidence. Like, will this elevate Chase enough to where – I mean, we've already seen Hendrick start to turn a corner the last yep. few weeks. Or we we think we have. It, it, it's appeared that way, and then now they've won. So – like, will this suddenly set off some sort of string of Chase Elliott success, or is it too early to suddenly be like, okay, he's going to be a, like a factor? I don't know, because I think at New Hampshire, the team started to turn the corner. They won a stage. They won a stage last week at Pocono. They won a stage today, and then they won the race. So they're getting faster. And I mean, it's proven. Mm-hmm. Um, then Bowman finished third last week. So Hendricks definitely turned a corner. William Byron's got two straight top tens. So yeah, Hendricks turned the corner, I believe. And yeah, I think Chase, this is going to start. It's going to start a lot of momentum, and he's starting to peak at the right time as we get into the playoffs. Yeah, and they're going to have it looks like three drivers in the playoffs yeah. because um, the gap is it got even bigger. I think it's sixty three, sixty two points 62? now. I think yeah. yeah. Um, and the reason was that Bowman finished. Uh, let's see, he finished two spots ahead of Stenhouse today, and he earned stage points. And he had stage points. He had seven stage points. Yep, that was key to keep him out. Yeah. So um, yeah, he expanded his lead, and now there's only four races left. He has over an entire race <laughs> advantage on Stenhouse. Um, it just doesn't seem close right now. I mean, unless there's going to be some new winner that jumps up, and, and let's remind everybody the races left are um, Michigan, Bristol, Darlington, and Indianapolis. So unless there's going to be a new winner there that's outside the top 16 that jumps up and knocks Bowman off and then puts Jimmy Johnson on the bubble, where then Bowman would have to chase Johnson. He's 40 points behind Johnson. I, I just think, I mean, you know, it, it doesn't seem close right now, and Hendrick's going to have three cars in. Yeah, and I mean, Stenhouse, who's 17th, is nowhere near winning races right now. He's not competitive to run up front anyway. The only person I could see is Daniel Suarez. I mean, he's got two straight top fives. I believe that's the first time in his career that he's had that. And he looks like he's starting to build momentum. And, I mean, Gibbs is obviously really fast. So Mm -hmm. he's the only one I could see. But like you said, we go to such a diverse next four tracks with a two-miler, a a half-miler, a two-and-a-half-miler, and and then Darlington. Yeah. So – those are those are hard races to win. Yeah, I mean, maybe you could say, oh, he had, he'd have a shot at Bristol or something, but I could say the same about Stenhouse, even yeah. maybe. But um, yeah, aside from Bristol or like a fluky kind of like Paul Menardish fuel mileage thing or something at Indy, but Indy was such a crash fest last year. Yeah, I don't know true. if they can have a long fuel run to to finish that race, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just kind of see that the standings kind of staying the same and. Um, but maybe Hendrick is starting to build momentum at the right time. I mean, obviously it'd be shocking if they could get someone all the way to the final four based on how they've been running. But I don't know. I mean, you know, as much as Jimmy Johnson has been completely sort of out to lunch, it seemed like for his standards this year, you let him in the playoffs with Hendrick starting to turn things around. I mean, he's not going to have any playoff points, but it's not out of the question that he could do something. And you kind of saw that in 2016 when he won, I think, three of the ten playoff races. And every time the playoffs roll around, it seems like Jimmy Johnson starts to hit fire. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that fourth spot, though, is so wide open. We have the big three. But then who's the number four? Yeah. I mean, Chase Elliott, he, he could he could be that fourth guy, I think. 
Well, and, and the thing is, too, that I was talking to somebody at, at the tweet about this. Like, all it's going to take is um, some some winner in one of these later rounds, like, like a Chase Elliott, to win Martinsville. And then all of a sudden, there's not as many spots available for the guys yeah. on points anyway. And, and all of a sudden, like, if two guys who are not the big three win two of the races in the round, somebody's out. You know, it doesn't matter what the points are. So... Yeah, um, we've kind of seen that in the past, too. Like, Harvick last year wasn't the fastest car in the playoffs, mm-hmm. but he won Texas, so that takes away a spot. Kyle Busch won Martinsville, and Kenseth won Phoenix, so that didn't really matter. But Chase was in contention to win at least two of those three races. Yeah. Probably should win Martinsville. Man, uh, maybe Chase Elliott. I mean, I, I wouldn't – I mean, the way that they have suddenly come on here lately and been competitive and winning stages and straight up, not like yeah. fluky stuff. I mean, maybe they've found something to turn the corner. I don't know. We won't know yet, but – Let's let's uh, briefly touch on one of the members of the big three today, and that was um, Kyle Busch. I mean, holy crap! I, it's I, I was writing in my column that it's kind of too bad that people just hate Kyle Busch so much because it's in itself inflicted because of of how he is, right. obviously. But like, if Kyle Busch was loved, let's say like a Chase Elliott. I mean, I know it's hard to picture because <laughs> it's Kyle, but and he was doing what he's doing. Like he he started thirty first. <laughs> Just drove straight up through the field to third. With no cautions. That is insane. Yeah. Like, that is insane. Especially a Watkins Glen. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's so many so many ways, so many opportunities to mess up. And maybe he had some beating and banging where he didn't have out front. But he's still, yeah, 31st to third in 35 laps. That is unbelievable. And, and of course, I mean, it, it, it gets lost today, and rightfully so. This is Chase's day. But right. That is like one of them like that's that's like an all-timer type drive under different circumstances but yeah i got to talk to him after the race and he said he put on a clinic i mean he he knows that he put on a clinic so and he drove his he said he drove his ass off so you know it's not a surprise yeah it's kind of funny though too because that 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 exact uh not being humble even though he's speaking the truth yeah that not being humbled pushes people away so much but speaking of um a couple other guys who i thought were going to be big contenders today i i really thought aj almondinger i know people say oh gosh he never comes through but i really thought here he, he'd have a chance seemed to be in, in the right frame of mind and michael mcdowell i was super optimistic about michael mcdowell today it just didn't happen yeah, i mean both the road course drivers obviously and almondinger what finished 15th and his problems started right from the get-go when he mm-hmm. got into logano on lap two i think and then he he did something with the front end i, I didn't really I didn't yeah. pay that much attention. He lost to that. all his track position. Yeah. But McDowell, 18th. Like, what happened to these guys? I mean, I, it, I saw on Twitter that McDowell had some kind of problem with six laps to go. Well, but he wasn't, he was not a factor all day, though. Yeah, so, he I mean, was you can the say that he was, they can say, you know, oh, we had some problem, but they were running, you know, 15th, 20th almost the whole day, I think. And both had good one lap speed yesterday in qualifying. They both made the final round. So, yeah, yeah it is kind of interesting to see that they finished 15th and 18th, respectively. Yeah, I was kind of surprised that Harvick wasn't much of a factor also. And and Boyer. Um, Boyer's been so good at road courses, and he wasn't really up there as much as I thought uh, he would be. I was shocked by Kozlowski. I mean, every time we come here, he finished 17th today, and he he was not a factor at all. Yeah. Really, Team Penske wasn't. We don't know what could have happened with Logano Mm -hmm. uh, getting taken out in lap three. But Kozlowski, every time you come to Watkins Glen, you expect him to run up front. That's right. He had, I think, between 2011 and 2013, he had three top three finishes in a row. Wow. And last year he ran well before him and Kyle got into the incident in the bus stop. And then today, not a factor at all. So, um, you know, what do you think about, like, you know, and speaking of Team Penske, Ryan Blaney um, 
for like when he won Pocono last year and he had sort of all this momentum and, and seemed like he was getting this big rush of popularity. I feel like it's, he's been kind of quiet lately. Um, like we just haven't heard as much from him. He hasn't won this year. He's not really as competitive. And now all of a sudden you've had um, an Eric Jones win and, and pretty much be competitive since then. Suarez is really picking up the pace. Um, now Chase Elliott wins. So is Ryan Blaney all of a sudden almost somewhat getting lost in the shuffle of these young guns? I wouldn't say getting lost in the shuffle because they do have flashes of brilliance. Like at mm-hmm. Kentucky, they finished second and probably had the second best car because Truex was in a league of his own. Yeah, I wouldn't say he's getting lost, but Team Penske as a whole, I mean, they need to get faster going into the playoffs. They're one of the biggest teams in this sport, and none of them are part of the big three right now. Yeah. So, I mean, there's work to be done, and I think they would tell you the same thing. How would you How would you rank the teams right now? I think for me, I would go um, – I'd, I'd probably put – Gibbs slash Furniture Row number one. I'll put them together because it's too hard to separate them. Kind of. I'd put Stuart Haas number two. I'd go the opposite. Oh, you'd put Stuart Haas number one. Yeah, because with Gibbs, Kyle's won six races this year. Jones has won one. With Stuart Haas, you have Harvick winning six. You have Boyer winning two, and then both Bush and Almirola have led a ton of laps. Mm-hmm. Um, and recently too, like Almirola probably should have won New Hampshire and or Chicago. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would put Stuart Haas above Gibbs. So then it comes in the number three team. And now all of a sudden, um, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't necessarily dare put Hendrick up just based on these last three weeks, but I, I almost feel like I'd take a Hendrick car lately over a Penske car. Um, and then Ganassi has seemed so inconsistent. McMurray's running a little bit better recently. But Larson's almost seems to have fallen off a bit. So, um, Unless I'm missing somebody here, but like, I mean, who would you put as number three? That's a tough one. Yeah. Um, I talked to McMurray after the race as well, and he he alluded to the the bad season he's had. I, he sits, I don't know, twenty second in points or something right now, and a hundred and thirteen behind the cutoff. I think. Mm. Yeah, he needs to win. Yeah. So, yeah, it's crazy. But in, in terms of the third team, it's either I think it's either got to be Hendrick or Penske. Yeah, I mean, maybe Hendrick's stepping into that spot all of a sudden, which is, I mean... Because cons- Pe- Penske only has one win this year, too. Yeah, and that's a, a restrictor plate win, yeah. right? Logano. Yeah. So, yeah, But they've all had a, quite a few laps. They've all had over, like, 250 laps or something. Yeah, but clearly they're not there with, like, the Stuart Haas cars or the Gibbs slash Furniture Row cars. Especially so. recently, too. Yeah, yeah. Interesting stuff. So, um, Dustin, uh, as you know... Each week I do a poll and ask people where whether it was a good race. I think that we would both agree that it's probably a good race. Now it's going to come down to how good of a race was it. This is going to be very tricky because I think our guesses are – I'm guessing that our guesses will be somewhat close. It's going to come down to a percentage or two. Um, first of all, let's walk through the factors here. So obviously it was awesome. <laughs> Watkins Glen's always awesome. Yeah. Was, I think it's some, I mean, it got voted this week, the third for the third straight year, the best track in NASCAR. I'm biased cause I'm from the area, but I would agree with that. So it's, it's awesome. Uh, race. Um, you have, uh, you had a new winner. Um, you had a lot of excitement all day. Uh, unpredictability, a popular winner, popular winner. Um, yes, that everybody really wanted. So, yeah, I, I obviously, I mean, I'm going to say it would be in the 90s. Um, I'll let you pick first. I was going to go 91. 91. Which, I mean, that's pretty high. 
That is very w- high. What's your high? Ninety three. I think the highest ever is ninety three. So I, I mean, say. we're already, you know, yeah, itching in on that. I think it comes down to whether this will be voted the best race of the last three years, and to do that, they would have to beat the Martinsville race, um, which is Denny versus Chase, and the Dover race, which I think was a Larson Chase Kenseth. Yeah, Chase Kenseth, um, which is very exciting race. Um, and then New Hampshire, I think, got up there to maybe right behind them earlier this year. Uh, or no, Chicago. Chicago, not New Hampshire. Um, so you said 91. Ugh. I don't want to just say 92 and just try to <laughs> box you in like that. So I'll give a little bit of breathing room between us here. This is going to be really hard because there's just always some people that are going to vote no. Especially for road – there's some road course haters out there. But – I don't know how there could be road course haters. All that said, I think I will go with 94%, which I, I believe, I, without looking at the chart, I'm not quite sure, but I think it, that would make it the number one race. So I'm going to go 94%. You go 91%. And there's a constant theme with your, your best results here. Chase is among one of the competitors at the end battling for the victory. Huh, interesting. I didn't yeah. think about that. Yeah, well, uh, he definitely has that popularity going. It's pretty stunning how... Um, people just really, really, really love him, And just from the start, you know, um, it's going to be interesting to see if he can sort of energize the sport should he continue to be able to win. But, um, Dustin, what do you got going on last year? We talked a little bit about, um, your life and story a little bit. <laughs> and I know that now you've graduated college, you're out in the real world looking to, um, make a go of this. You have a great podcast. You've been, and I tell you what, not to toot Dustin's own horn for himself here, but, um, he's been doing some great work. You get some great interviews. And I think what, what I really like about what you've been doing lately, like this week, you went and talked to Bob Levine from Levine family racing. Guess what? He told you they're switching to, uh, most likely Toyota next year yep. and most likely not expanding to include Christopher Bell. Um, he had gave some great quotes to you. You just went out and got those. You showed some initiative, and you have you know you bring some great podcasts on your front stretch podcast. Um, so tell us a little bit about what you're doing. Yeah, so like you said, I just graduated college in May, so I am into the real world now, and I've learned that it's pretty tough. Yeah, uh, three months in, kind of frustrated with where, with everything's at because I want to be here every week in NASCAR. It's and there's just not many opportunities. I mean, some of my role models that I've looked up to really my whole life are getting let go of places. So mm-hmm. when that happens, wh- where do I fit in? You know, mm-hmm. which it kind of sucks personally. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll have to see what the future holds. I mean, I hope, I hope to be here full time soon, sooner rather than later. Um, whether that's, I mean, realistically, I want to be a journalist. That's what I've went to school for. That's what I've always wanted to do since I was a little kid. Um, so we'll see, we'll see what happens. But then there's other options too. Like you could go work for a team or work for NASCAR or something like that. But that's, I don't know. I feel like I'd be cutting myself short if I went that route. Yeah. Don't give up on that yet. Um, you could always sort of do that later, but if it's, if it's your dream to do journalism and I, I think you're good at it and people listening to this podcast will be able to tell that. And, uh, definitely I think you should check out the, the front stretch podcast as well. I just heard one recently with Tommy Joe Martins and oh, man. he, he went off. You guys got Ryan Blaney to call into the podcast. Yeah, too. that was cool. That was, that was our biggest get so far, but that same one, that was the one year anniversary of me hosting it. Mm-hmm. And so it was our longest episode by far. Our longest one before that was Brendan Gong after Talladega this year, which was just under hour an hour. But Tommy Joe, you know, he can, he can just, his rants have rants. 
Yeah, well, so. but it's it's interesting though because I feel like you get your guests to have sort of a long form platform and open up and things like that. So agreed. Yeah, so uh, check out Dustin Albino's work at frontstretch.com. Um, or just frontstretch.com, frontstretch. not the frontstretch.com. I, I, was, I was saying the as the website, but it's frontstretch.com. Giving us anyway. a new tagline. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, to all of you, thanks for listening. Um, this is obviously something we'll be talking about for uh, probably, obviously, at least this week, but maybe a few weeks because it, it was exciting, gave NASCAR some momentum. So thanks, Dustin, for joining. Thanks to all you for listening. And I'll talk to you next time on the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast.